0: Well, good morning. Take your Bible, please, and go with me to the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians. And go with me to chapter 1 of the book of Galatians. Always a thrill to come and be a part of the Central Baptist Church ministry. I've been coming here since the 80s, and thank God for all that's been going on here. I realize the church is going through a lot that other churches are going through. And some of you are without some of your friends that are here on Sunday morning, but you're here anyway. God bless you for your faithfulness, and thank you for coming and being a part of the services. My wife and I have been married for 47 years, and God has allowed us in the last couple of years to go through some unique times. In 2018, my wife was diagnosed with a liquid cancer, a blood cancer. And uh, she was put in the hospital and stayed in the hospital, off and on, for a hundred days. And uh, by the grace of God, she's healed on that one. And we give God all the praise, honor, and glory. In the meantime, she had to have bone marrow transplant, and nobody bothered to tell us that that was going to be worse than the than the chemo. And it was. And once she had that, she had to spend a hundred days in a house within 30 minutes of the hospital in Orlando. And we live an hour and 15, 20 minutes from there. And a pastor friend of mine came to me privately, and he said, Look, you have been a help to me many times. We're giving you the mission cha- the mission house uh, for the next three months. And I said, No, no. He said, Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that, that's one of the reasons she's come through, since she's doing as good as she is now. She's had some problems with her eyes, GVHD, graft-versus-host disease, But her eyes are getting a little better every day, and we're rejoicing in that and giving God glory for all that's doing. Now, for those of you that have not met my wife, please meet my wife, Regina. Honey, you stand right over here, and people will wave at you as you wave back at them. And uh, they're glad that you're here, and I'm glad that you're here. Two years after that, in the month of March in uh, 2020, Uh, I wasn't doing well on a Sunday morning, and we had to close the meeting that night. It wasn't my fault. It was the fault of the uh, pandemic that was going on. And uh, I I said, well, I think tomorrow I'm going to go to my son's place. And there's a place over there that I'll probably go and see if I can get in. And uh, lo and behold, if it didn't happen that the next morning the pastor came to me and he said, I can't let you leave my parking lot. I said, you can't let me leave your parking lot. He said, no, your son called and he said, you can't not let my dad leave the parking lot and he will probably get upset with you. And I just started laughing. And I said, well, if he thought that I was going to fight you, uh, he's wrong because I went through some things yesterday that God's got my attention on. I said, what do you think we need to do? He said, well, he, he, he feels like you need to go to the ER. And so I backed the RV up and got into his car, and we went down to the ER and stayed there from 1 in the afternoon till 1.30 the next morning, and was proudly told that I had brain cancer. Now, all you got to do is have a, a couple of physicians look at you and tell you that, and that'll get your attention for a while. And uh, I said, good, what are you guys planning to do? And, well, well we, we got a room for you. We, I said, no, you won't need to do that. I said, I'm over here in uh, Augusta, Georgia. By the grace of God, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to get a decent night's sleep, and I'm going to get up, and tomorrow, uh, one of these men's going to drive my rig, and I'm going to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, to the Wake Forest University, to the hospital that I went to when I was a kid and didn't know where I was going. I didn't go to the hospital then. I just would go by it, and I said, if I ever get cancer, I'm going to the hospital there. Little did I know in my 60s, I was a prophet. And so we went, they ran the same test, they came back with the same answers, and I started laughing. And the physician said, did you understand what we said? And I said, yeah, I understand what you said. But you guys are human physicians. I'm under the care of Jehovah Rapha. And most of them had no earthly idea who that was or what that was. And I said, if I'm supposed to live, I'll live, and if I'm not, I'm supposed to die And all you guys will be stuck down here and I'll be on the other side and you can pay my taxes if you want. But I'll be on the other side. Well, we had the surgery. I was two days in and out and uh, spent most of the time, as everybody remembers, that was the time when the pandemic was at its uh, uh, supercharge. And my wife laughed at me and she said, every time that you get sick, the somehow there's a problem in the nation or the world and you just don't worry about it. I said, well, i just go as long as I can go. I was in the hospital, out of the hospital. I was in and out of uh, chemo and radiation and you name it. And by the grace of God, I'm getting better every day. Amen. The people, the, the, the physicians say, we don't understand you. And I said, that's okay. That's because you're a human physician. I'm under the care of Jehovah Rapha. And I have to tell every one of the guys the same thing. Well, I took my last chemotherapy this past week. As far as I know, I don't have to take it anymore. And uh, they think that I'm getting better. And I said, well, praise the Lord. So that's where we are. And we're moving forward one day right after the other. And I don't plan to stay home. Plan to be here. Plan to be back tonight at 6, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 7. 7. And come and bring some friends with you, some people under the sound of the word of the living God. How many of you would say, I have to work tonight at 6 o'clock? I'm going to be working. Anybody like that? I want to look around and I want to see, and I don't see any hands. Okay, well that means all the rest of you will be back then. That's great. We'll look forward to having you. How many would say, by the grace of God, I will plan by God's grace to be back in the 6 o'clock service tonight, would you raise your hand real high, please? God bless you for coming and being a part of these services. Stand, please, for the reading and teaching of Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to start my reading down in verse number 18. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. Other than the apostles saw so none save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God allow I not. Afterwards I came to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. Galatians 1, and 24, but they had heard only that he was persecuted as in times past. Now preached the faith which he once destroyed, watch verse 24, and they glorified God in me. Let's all say verse 24. Reference, verse, and reference. Here we go. Ready? Galatians 1.24, And they glorified God in me. Galatians 1.24. Title of the message this morning simply translated, Six Words That Could Change Your Life. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God, the God of the Word. Neither will change, both can change us, and I pray that will take place today. I pray that nobody that has come to this service lost will leave lost. They'll get under conviction and know how much you love them. And they'll want Jesus Christ. And for all of us that know you and belong to you, may we take one more spiritual step towards you and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I was flying to a meeting some years ago, and I picked up a magazine and read an interesting statement that said, Winners are driven by desire." I wrote that down. I said, I'll never forget that. That's a great statement. Sometime later, I was reading a book on leadership and I read another phrase that got my attention that said, most of the world's great leaders have come under some dynamic and dominating statement that took charge of their thinking. I took those two statements and it went immediately to the life of the Apostle Paul. Was he a winner? Well, he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto them also that love His appearing. Why? Because when he was a young man, having been saved by the grace of God, he understood how important God's grace was in his life. And by God's grace and His power, began to live every day, under the anointing and the uh, the atonement power of Jesus, in this passage of scripture, he writes to the churches of Galatia, and he says, "And they glorified God in me." Let me show you first of all today the definition of the glory of God. If you look down, you'll notice that he said they had only heard only that he was persecuted as in times past. Now preach the faith which he wants to story, and they. Glorified God in me. The word glory means that all the, it's all that God is and all that God does put on public display. It's the sum total of all of his characteristics. In Exodus chapter 16 and verse 7, and before all the people are in the morning, he said, I will be glorified. Now, how are you going to glorify somebody that you can't see? Psalm 19.1 says the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork day under day of speech and night and night showeth the language, there is no speech or language where His voice is not heard. The Old Testament word glory comes from the word weight or heavy. It simply means that all that God is and all that God does weighs heavy on me. It puts me in a situation where I understand how impacting this is to my life. In another New Testament word, it's the word opinion. It means that all that God is and all that God does weighs so heavy upon me that it drives me to give the right opinion of who Jesus is to a lost and dying world. It's making a living commercial of the character of Christ in your life. I wonder if you're a good living commercial. In Exodus chapter 16 and verse 7, the Bible says, And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. The Bible tells us in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 3, before all the people I will be glorified. First Chronicles 16, 29, given of the Lord the glory to His name. Isaiah 42 and verse 8, I'm the Lord, that's my name, and my glory will I not give to another. Isaiah 43, 7, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him, listen now, for my glory. Somebody says, I, God made me so I could see, hear, feel. He may have made you for all that, but He made you to do all that you do so that people see what God is like, and they want that same God that they may or may not have, and they want Him to take charge of their life. The Bible tells us in Matthew five sixteen, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I've heard people say, I was born to hunt. I was born to fish. I was born to, you were born to give glory to God. And if there's anybody in this building that that's the first time it dawned on you, you may need to be saved or you may need just to give what God saved to Jesus so that He can do in, through, by, and for you everything that He had planned when He brought you into this world. That is the definition of the glory of God. But second, I want you to see the demonstration of the glory of God. How are we going to do that? Well, He tells us in verse 23, And they had heard only that He was persecuted in times past. Now preach the faith which He wants to destroy. Number one, you give glory to God because of the conversion of Of your life. I want to say that again because a lot of Christians don't understand. You're not here for you, you're here for Him. You're not here to do what you feel like doing, you're here to do what He wants you to do. It's not a matter of uh, occasionally I'll serve God and the rest of the time I'll serve myself. It's a matter that I'm here by the grace of God to give God glory in everything that I do. You say, well, preacher, Matthew 18 and verse 3 says, Except you be converted and become as little children, you'll in no wise enter the kingdom of God. Acts 3 and 19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted wise, so your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. In the book of Romans chapter 3 and verse 20, God explains to us how we get converted, changed. How are we more like the Lord Jesus Christ? Romans 3 and verse 20, we see that by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified. You say, well, I'm justified because I went to church. You went to church, but you're not justified because you went to church. You're justified when you turn from your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Well, I'm justified because I'm a Baptist. You may be a nice person because you're a Baptist, but you're not going to heaven because you're a Baptist. When you get saved, delivered, rescued by the mercy and power of God, He makes all things new. Old things are passed away. Everything else is become new. The question that I have to ask you today is, do you understand that there's been a time and a place in your life? Let me give you that again, a time and a place in your life when you said no to sin and yes to God's Son and invited Him to come live in your life. If it's not happened, today is your day. This is the time and the place for you to be born into the family of God. There's other people that somehow they think, if I will learn to live the right way, learn to live like God wants me to live, then I'll go to heaven. Well, if that's a true statement, Then there's far more people going to heaven in the United States and the world than we want to believe. But what you do for Jesus does not make the difference in you going to heaven. It's what Jesus does for you that makes the difference in you going to heaven. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, turn over there if you will, please. 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, there's certain things we need not trust because trusting them will never help us become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Know ye not, 6, 9, that the unrighteous, those without God's righteousness, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So simply translated, your righteousness will get you nowhere closer to Jesus than you were before you started in unrighteousness. And he goes on and he says, Be not deceived, people who think that what they're going to do for Jesus will save them, are deceived, they're conned. He says, neither fornicators, those who are immoral, who are immoral mentally, physically, are going to heaven, nor that are idolaters, those who are worshiping that which is not eternal, nor adulterers, those who are involved in immorality with somebody else's mate, nor effeminate, those who are living the lifestyle of somebody that is supposed to be born again and yet they're a man acting like a woman or a woman acting like a man, nor abusers to themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous. I want to remind you that because you happen to know how to get money from people does not mean you're going to heaven. Judas Iscariot knew how to get money from people and he's been in hell for over 2,000 years. It's not the way that you go. The Bible goes on and says, nor drunkards. Man told me one day, he said, I drink, but I'll go to heaven. I said, not according to the Bible. No drunkard has any part in the kingdom of God. The Bible goes on and says, revilers, those who are making fun of spiritual truth, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now watch verse 11 of chapter 6, and such were, that is a key word in this passage. Such were some of you, but now you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, has God changed you since you got saved? You say, preacher, that's a strong question. It's a simple question. Has God changed you since you made a profession of faith? You see, you're not saved by the change God puts in your life, but if you get saved, God will put change in your life. He'll make you a brand new person. Old things will pass away. All things will become new. The question is, are you any different than you were before you came to Jesus Christ? When I was in Bible college, I had a couple of buddies. One named Tom, the other named Dave. Completely different guys in different backgrounds. Tom grew up what we would call a 60s hippie. He was involved in about everything you could be involved in. He got invited to go to a camp up in New York. When he got on the boat, he was only semi there, he'd been on drugs, and so by the time he gets over to the island and he gets off and starts walking around and coming to, he said, where in the world am I and what am I doing? And they began to give him the gospel and it wasn't long until he received Christ. He got back on the boat, went across from the island, found himself a barber, his hair was halfway down his back. And he said, cut my hair like they, live, like they have it cut over there at Word of Life Island. And so they cut his hair. He got back on the boat and came back. And everybody said, who in the world are you? And he said, I'm the guy that got saved yesterday. Look what God did to my hair. Amen. You say, well, preacher, what did he do then? Well, he wanted to go off to Bible college. And so he went off to Bob Jones University. And when he went, he hadn't been saved very long. But whatever they told him to do, he did. Now explain to me how a person who's lived all of his life for what he wants to do suddenly has a change in attitude and wants to do exactly what God wants him to do. Well, he met another fellow named Dave. Now Dave was quite a fellow. Dave was the president of over a thousand preacher boys. Dave was a very brilliant young man. He went around and preached. And one day Tom decided to tell Dave about Jesus. And he said, by the way, when did you get born again? And Dave suddenly was struck like somebody would hit him upside the head. He remembered go to, going to an independent Baptist church, singing an independent Baptist choir, going to an independent Baptist camp, but he never could tell you when he got born again. Can you? I didn't say, to you think you're going to heaven? I asked you, when did you get born again? He got under such conviction, he repented and received Jesus Christ. And he got up in Sunday school. This was on Saturday. He got up in our Sunday school class on Sunday. And he said, I want everybody to know that yesterday I got saved by the grace of God. And Jesus Christ came in my life, and I'll never be the same again. I won't just execute what I'm supposed to do. I will involve myself in it. Today, he's an evangelist, still preaching the Word of God all across the world. You say, Preacher, Preacher. God took two men right of completely different backgrounds. And when He entered their lives and changed them, they were changed for the power and anointing of Jesus. Now take your Bible, go back please, to the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians. You've seen the change in the lives of those who have come to Christ. But there's also the confession of your Lord. It tells us in verse twenty-three they had heard only that he would persecute us in times past. Now watch this phrase: now preached the faith which he once destroyed. Result, they glorified God in me. The conversion of your life. God can't get glory in your life until you're changed by His changing. God can't get glory in your in your life until you are the one who is confessing who He is. The Bible tells us in Matthew 14, 4 and verse 19, follow me, I'll make you to become fishers of men. He tells us in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, "Ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. You read in the Psalms of 107 and verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. All that have been redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 15 how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. How long has it been since you really witnessed to somebody? I didn't say when was the last time you handed somebody a track. I said, how long has it been since you really witnessed to somebody? You wanted them to be saved. You thought to yourself, I'm going to die if this guy doesn't at least take the gospel track. Who is it that you've been witnessing to? I was preaching in a meeting, and a 16-year-old boy walked up to me. And he said, Sir, do you remember me? And I said, Son, I remember your face. I'm sorry I can't call your name. He said, You led me to Christ last summer. I go to public school. God's changed my life. I'm seeing a lot of people come to Jesus. And I said, Well, tell me all about it. And he did. I said, How many people have you seen come to Christ? He said, Nine. He's been saved ten months. And nine of the people that he went to school with in his public school came to Jesus. I was preaching in a morning meeting in the state of North Dakota. When I gave the invitation, many responded, and among them was a man that shook up everybody in church. And I noticed that everybody was talking. I said to the pastor, who is this man in the center aisle? He said, he is a man, and this is the second time he's been to this church. And he's trusting Jesus Christ, and God's come into his life, and he's a new creature in Christ Jesus. It's interesting, he was back Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night. Hello. How often do you come back? On Thursday night, he came to see me, and he said, I don't know what to do. I run this liquor store. And from what I've been hearing preached this week, it's wicked. So i got to get rid of it. Boy, I like guys like that. And he said, would you help pray for me that I could get rid of it? Well, he got rid of it and bought a brand new store where he sells groceries and where he cooks and where waitresses help him. And everybody that comes in that store gets the gospel of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. What happened to him that didn't happen to you? Let me give you three words and close the service this morning that I hope you'll never forget. Word number one is the word sin. Would you say that word with me? Sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you have never seen yourself as a hell-deserving sinner, you've never been saved. Jesus Christ did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And when you understand who you are and that you're outside of Christ and nothing you can ever do for Jesus will give you one smack dab moment in heaven, that'll help. Number two is the word sentence. For the wages or payment for sin is death which simply means if you've never seen yourself as a sinner, then you've never really repented of your sin and except you repent, you'll perish. But when you see yourself as a sinner and you understand what the rich man understood in Luke 19, the rich man also died and was buried and in hell he lift up his eyes. Now if you study the passage of Scripture, you'll find that this rich man was probably a Pharisee. Because the verses before that lead right into those verses. Which means if anybody knew anything about the Bible, it was this rich man. But he never repented, he never received Christ. And he woke up in hell, but there was a man that was placed at his gate every day. He was a poor man, he had no money. And what he wanted was enough to eat just to survive. They both died. The rich man went to hell. By the way, you may have the most money of anybody in Ocala, but you can be in hell before dark if you don't repent and trust Christ. You may be the poorest man in this entire town, but you can be in heaven before anybody knows you're dead if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Sin, sentence, sacrifice. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Now, how does a person who does not know sin, he's never been involved in sin, how does a person who doesn't know sin receive Jesus into his life? He comes to the realization that he is a sinner and he is sentenced. And it really doesn't make any difference if he's killed somebody or stolen something because all sin leads to hell. Some of you didn't get it. I'm going to say it again. All sin leads to hell. And he comes to the realization that without repentance and faith, he will never go to heaven. The word repent means to change your mind. You do not change your life. You change your mind. When you change your mind, God will change your life. And then you believe. And it doesn't just mean, I believe that there is a God and He died and was buried. Lots of people believe that who will never go to heaven. It means you believe that this God died for your sin. That He was put on the cross for your sin. That His blood was shed for your sin. That He was raised again for your sin. And He's offering you the gift of eternal life by faith and repentance. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved. Sin. Have you ever admitted that? Sentence. You're one heartbeat from hell right now. And for those of you that are sitting here saying, I'm not, then you need to be saved really bad. Because until you see yourself hell worthy, you have no worth on the cross. But if you see yourself hell worthy, Then what Jesus did on the cross, He paid for you. And then by faith you receive Him, invite Him to come into your life and let Him have His right of way in your life. Has that ever happened to you? You may be sitting here today and you're a teenager and you went off to camp and they kept saying, "Uh, you need to get saved, you need to get saved. And so you kept hearing them say, you need to get saved. Well, this is my turn, I'll go down Tell me what to pray. Okay, thank you. But you never did get saved. And you know you're still lost. You may be a man and you come to church occasionally and thank God you're here today. And your wife kept pestering you and she said, if our marriage is going to work, you're going to have to make a profession of faith. You're going to have to get saved. So finally you said, tell me what to pray but you're not saved either. Because when you get saved by the grace of God, you're never the same again. Can you backslide? Mm-hmm. Can you get away from God? Mm-hmm. Can you get ornery and get out of church? Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what'll happen. God Almighty will put the hammer down and He'll chasten you. And when God is chastening you, it won't be a little slap on the hand, friend. It'll be a major move of the power of God in the life of an individual called you. This book guarantees us that we're going to heaven if we repent and believe the gospel. But there's no guarantee in this book that you're going to heaven until the time that you don't want your sin. You want God's Son and you invite Him to come live in your life. If any man be in Christ... He's a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new.